0: Good afternoon. Welcome to the Snake River Lib podcast. It's the eleventh of October, Tuesday, and you're saying to yourself, no doubt, didn't we just hear from you yesterday? Yes, you did. Um, but there's a couple of very, very interesting things that I want uh, news occurrences that I wanted to touch on um, that I really didn't get involved with yesterday, although most of them actually had broken after. We did the podcast. But uh, two things in particular. The first is Tulsi Gabbard, a favorite Democrat uh, here on the Lib. Uh, Yes, she is progressive. Make no mistake. You know, conservatives swoon for her. um, Even though she is uh, a pro-choice, very progressive uh, as far as economically goes, um, you know, government, such. However, she's also a big believer in freedom. She's also a big believer in not getting involved overseas. Uh, she caught a lot of flack early uh, in her career for questioning, dealing with uh, I mean, that she went and actually spoke to Assad in Syria about what was going on over there with ISIS and, and with uh, the people in his country trying to engage in dialogue as opposed to Obama President Obama's bogus red line that he didn't follow through with when Assad broke it. It's one of those many things, by the way, which uh, foreign policy issues where Democrats have weakened the position of the United States abroad. But I digress. Tulsi Gabbard is probably best known for her debate performance where she single-handedly ended Kamala Harris's presidential aspirations in 2020. Pointing out the folly of putting thousands of people in prison in California as the attorney general for marijuana use and then joking about using it herself. Now, mind you, Vice President Harris, then then Senator Harris, was not a hard target to take out. She's not very bright she doesn't have uh able to communicate a message with any kind of clarity whatsoever well i'm sorry i guess i should retract that because um her message um communication is kind of like on a a second or third grade level how she be well we know how she became attorney general and then senator from california And it wasn't because of her oratory skills. Oratory or her speaking skills. Tulsi has also spoke, she spoke at CPAC this last year. She talked about religious freedom. She talked about freedom of speech, the need for freedom of speech. She talked about the founding fathers. She said all the right things. Mind you, uh, We have not forgotten that she is progressive, but at the same time, if she is true to these principles that she says she espouses, then I'm okay with that. You know, it's easy to deal with somebody as long as they have the concept of individual freedom first and foremost in their mind. Anyway, Tulsi Gabbard yesterday on her podcast announced that she was leaving the Democratic Party. Now, not a big surprise. I mean, the Democratic Party essentially dumped her during the 2020 campaign, the election campaign. You know, everybody on stage essentially accusing Tulsi Gabbard of being, uh, uh, you know, in bed with Putin. You know, kind of like he who shall not be named Trump. But nonetheless, uh, she made it official. Not only that, but she called on principled Democrats and you know, people that, I'm sorry, because the far left zealots over there are principled in their things are just contrary to the United States. <clears throat> she called on Democrats that love the United States, that love the ideals of the founding of the United States that love the freedoms and don't just use the freedoms to get what they want like Democrats do, and Republicans to a lesser extent. She called on them to also walk away from the Democratic Party. Now, she doesn't have uh, a party of her own. I've said... Uh, for years that she should be um, joined the libertarian party. I mean, there's a, there are progressive libertarians. Um, most people would point out to uh, libertarian, libertarian in Europe is far different to much more of a collectivist uh, mindset. And here in the United States, United States, especially recently, as the United States is uh, the official Libertarian Party has taken on more of the Milton Friedman uh, economic uh, genres as far as what they exist for. We'll see how long that lasts. It's not going to go a whole lot farther than what the the uh, anarcho-communist. Wing of the Libertarian Party went as well. You're, you're not. Neither one of those are going to go very far, sadly to say. But you bring somebody in that's a dynamic persona, like Tulsi Gabbard, somebody who is progressive, somebody who also stands for the people and is willing to be the voice of the people, and that could change things. And so you should never dismiss that. That's the first thing I wanted to talk about. Second, uh, as I listen to ads regarding uh, Sharice Davids and Laura Kelly and how they're both running against Sam Brownback, um, I'm reminded of the fact that that uh, you know two can play at that game, and Amanda Atkins here in the the third district has been very, very, the ads have been out there really well, speaking that that Sharice Davids, for all of her talk in her ads about how she's independent and how she wants to uh, border security, et cetera, none of that is actually true. I mean, she might have done that, but when it came time to vote, she is right in line with what President Biden and Speaker Pelosi want. Make no mistake. A vote for Sharice Davids is a vote in the House of Representatives for Joe Biden. Um, For whatever Biden or whatever President Biden's legislation that he wants passed, Sharice Davids is going to be there. Biden doesn't want border security. Biden wants abortion, wants to wipe out all state laws regarding abortion. That's, That's something else that I think that Amanda Atkins should be hammering on. Um is the fact that Sharice uh, Davids has voted to to get rid of all of Kansas's protections. And mind you, it's so funny because here in Kansas, uh, you know, we had the uh, amendment to to restrict to be able to restrict abortion, even ban it if necessary. Let me take a break. I'll be right back. Sorry about that. Uh, welcome back to the lib. It was a phone call that I was waiting on, and I went ahead and just did the break there because we're not going to go a whole lot longer on this side of it. But continuing on Amanda Atkins, you know this this amendment which failed, overwhelmingly failed. The left, of course, is trumping tri, uh, trumping the fact that that the Dobb, the Dodds uh, decision is is hobbling conservatives across the country as far as uh, abortion goes. That's really not the case. but the misrepresentation of the Dobbs decision is is problematic. And the fact is that you know, the pro-aborts in Kansas, when they were campaigning against the constitutional amendment, they were pointing out that Kansas has laws already restricting, on when you can get an abortion or rather uh, after i believe it's 22 weeks here in kansas that after that period then there has to actually be a medical need it cannot be just a, a an elective abortion because you don't want to carry the baby anymore problem is is the fact that with with the dobbs decision in reality those laws or with the law that they tried to pass in Congress, those laws would all be wiped out. You know, so on one hand, they were saying, see, we already have these laws. We don't need to have any kind of other constitutional amendment regarding abortion because we already have these laws in place. But of course, being hypocrites that they are, you know, they have no intention of maintaining the status quo on that. If they thought that they could get a, cobbled together a majority in, in the Kansas House and Senate to get rid of those laws, they would in a heartbeat, and Laura Kelly would gladly sign those. And they would probably, even in a court of law, if somebody was to sue and say, well, see, you know, we didn't want to say that abortion is a constitutional right. The Supreme Court of Kansas has said that abortion is a right then in reality those laws shouldn't stand and so in reality it's very vulnerable here in the united in in the state of kansas even more vulnerable nationally because the democrats nationally want to eliminate every state law restricting abortion and they want you the taxpayer to pay for it. and you have gavin newsom out in california in the california legislature that want to decriminalize uh, infanticide in the first year of life, and that they will not do an autopsy on an unattended death in the first month of life. So abortion is not just up until and including the time of birth, but up to a month where there's going to be essentially were uh no no ask no don't ask don't tell on on the cause of death and then even within the first year that there will not be criminal charges if you kill your baby so whenever the left talks about abortion that's what they mean enough about that it's really pretty pathetic, Laura Kelly, for the governor, for all of her desire to show how she can work across the aisle, et cetera, et cetera. She had no choice, by the way, uh, Republican majorities. How the record that they're running on is they're running against the perception of Sam Brownback. And I'm not going to get into that here because I really didn't need, even need want to make this this long. It's two and two days, essentially but a huge development regarding our president and his ability to work with and solve real problems not his competency we already know about that one of the rail worker rail unions that they had stemmed off a strike here was a week or two ago by negotiating a tentative agreement. The union is the Brotherhood of Maintenance of Way Employees Division. They voted 56% to turn down the negotiated contract. Which means. November 19th, so this will be well after the election, the potential for a strike and all the supply issues involved with the strike is very real. I can hear those old PATCO guys saying, man, I wish that Biden had been president in 1980 instead of Reagan. So we'll have the midterm election. Trains will be running, although you never know that you might see some slowing down on the supply chain. Because by putting it after the election, the union doesn't really, does not have the kind of uh, pressure that they need, political pressure. So now it's only going to be starving the people. And since Democrats really don't care about people starving, unless it is a fill-in-the-blank identity group. And then they don't really care about individuals starving. Depending on how the election goes, the administration may not be in much of a mood to settle, seeing as how, if the Republicans take both the House and the Senate, seeing as how the people have made their say, We'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, For now, status quo, uh, they go back to working under the old contract until five days after Congress reconvenes in mid-November. And then we'll see if they go on strike. Of course, it gives them another opportunity to uh, reach a deal. But we're still kind of the same boat. Anyway, there's those two things I just wanted to talk about just briefly. Uh, Ben Bernanke, who won the Nobel Prize for Economics for something that he wrote back in the 80s, which he completely repudiated uh, when he was Fed chair. Not by word, but by deed. Won the Nobel Prize in economics. It's funny how that works out. Pretty close-knit group those people are. The Nobel people and academics. My life matters. As an individual... It is yours. It's the Snake River Lib. Have a great afternoon.